the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. At this time, our brother Dean is going to give us a little more background on our series by Jose Rojas. Jonathan and I were talking recently, and um, he was excited about um, Jose Rojas and his series that we were aware of. Some of you know about it. Maybe some of you don't. Uh, Last week, we introduced you a little bit to who he is and so on, but there's a little more I'd like to tell you. You know, who would have ever dreamed 35, 40 years ago that this little kid running around South Los Angeles would today be in charge of the mission work of this church? And send, has sent out, been responsible for sending out and taking care of, if you will, tens of thousands of missionaries all over this globe. It is just an incredible story. Um, last week we mentioned to you about his life being preserved by God on 9 11 when he would have been there had something else not intervened and those kinds of things. I heard him he, talk at Oregon camp meeting a couple years ago and he was saying how he's been shot at as he's gone around the world on his many world trips to take care of the missionaries. He's, he has a, a special Bible that he's had for, for years and it's, it's so worn that he had to have it uh, recovered. On one of those trips he lost it and he was just heartbroken but somebody returned it to him. It was returned to him. Incredible story. Um, also, inside his Bible, in the flyleaf, he showed it. He showed it to us. He has written. I'm, I'm sorry. People have written thank yous and all sorts of glorious things about Jesus and the Savior. These people are former bikers, former um, prisoners, former. Um, Godless men and people who, who now know Jesus and salvation. And they have thanked him by writing in his Bible that he has brought them Jesus Christ. Uh, today we're going to see uh, number two in the series. It's interesting. Jonathan has one set of series. I have another one. And apparently uh, he gave this in a number of places. So uh, the sequence is a little different in, in Jonathan's version than my version, if you will. I guess that doesn't make sense. But anyway, we're going to end up seeing all seven of them one way or another in the upcoming times when we have an an open spot on the the church um, uh, sermon area. Now, uh, Jonathan also is interested in maybe using a couple of these some evening, and he may be arranging that yet so that we might have a Sunday night occasionally or a Monday night and that kind of thing. So that's yet to be determined. Okay, thank you very much, and uh, we'll see Jose Rojas now. And... When he, oh, and another thing I must tell you, for years and years of his early ministry and life, he could not see well. He could not read this Bible I hold in my hands. He apparently learned it through listening. Um, a few years ago, he had surgery on his eyes, and now he can see. And the day I heard him tell that story at the Oregon camp meeting, his smile was bigger than his mustache. He was just, he was just so thankful and happy. <laughs> He just kind of shouted out to the audience, I can see, I can read. So, Jose Rojas. Welcome. 
Welcome to Seven Signs, a harvest series of evangelism that leads from discipleship instead of merely to discipleship. You're experiencing something that Jesus wanted for the whole planet. You see, the first time that Jesus called a, a group of disciples, remember he walked up to, to, to Peter and his brother Andrew and he says, follow me. You know, they were fishermen. And he, and he says, by the way, if you follow me, I'll teach you how to fish for people. When Jesus calls a disciple, it's because he plans to make more disciples. That's what Seven Signs is about. And we're very excited that you're here. We welcome our television audience. We know there are people from different parts that, that are watching us. Dios los bendiga. Bienvenidos cada uno. Hello to my own talk with Jesus in discipleship. As we begin tonight, I want you to look with me. Because it seems that I've imagined him all of my life to be the wisest of all of mankind. But if God's holy wisdom is foolish to man, I mean, he must have seemed out of his mind. Even his family said he was mad. The priest said the demons to blame. God, in the form of that strange young man, could not have been perfectly sane. We, in our foolishness, thought we were wise. He played the fool, and he opened our eyes. When we, in our weakness, believed we were strong, he became helpless to show we were wrong. And so we follow God's own fool. And only the foolish can tell. So believe. Believe beyond believable. Come. Be a fool as well. So lay down your life for a carpenter's son, for a man there who died for a dream. You'll have the faith his first followers had, and you will feel the weight of the beam. So surrender the hunger to say, I must know, the courage to say, I believe, for the power of paradox opens our eyes and blinds those who say they can see. We in our foolishness thought we were wise. He played the fool and he opened our eyes. When we in our weakness believed we were strong, he became helpless to show we were wrong. And so that's why we follow God's own fool. And only the foolish can tell. Believe. Believe beyond believable. Come. Be a fool as well. Let's bow our heads together and pray about it. Father in heaven, we come in the name of Jesus. For we too want to be your disciples as never before. This may seem like foolishness, but then your wisdom will always seem that way to humans. Do a miracle tonight and speak to us. For we ask in his name. Amen. Take out your swords because we're going to battle. It's found in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22 to 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22 to 24. As we begin the Seven Signs series, I want you to focus on what the Word of God is telling us tonight. The Apostle Paul says here, For the Jews demand miracles, 
And the Greeks, they seek for wisdom. But us, we preach Christ crucified. Now, check this out how that hits the planet. Okay, to the Jews, this is a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it's absolute foolishness. But to those who are called, be they Jew or Greek, Christ, the power of God. Christ, the wisdom of God. The word of the Lord. You see, the, we, we have two types of people on this planet. There are the people who insist on miracles for everything. You turn on your TV and there are people there who want to show you a miracle. In fact, if the miracle's big enough, maybe you'll send a bigger offering. I have suspicions about this because I speak at many convention centers and stadiums right after those events and I see what's going on in the back room sometimes. Not comfortable. Certainly not always appearing to be ministry from up close. There are people who demand miracles for everything. Miracle this, miracle, almost as if they're addicted to miracles. Kind of like, I need another fix. Do me another miracle. There are people who, unless they receive a miracle, their faith in God is shaken. And, and the apostle knew what he was talking about. Because the Jews in the time that Paul wrote this were expecting the Messiah to come. And did they expect the Messiah, the Son of God, to come and save their people from their sins? No. They were expecting some kind of a military leader who would come and liberate them from Rome. That means they wanted miracles. They wanted the miracle of the sword, the miracle of the capacity to kill a lot of Romans in one day. They wanted the miracle of political genius. They wanted the miracle of military prowess. And when Jesus called disciples, they were very excited because they said, oh, this is great. We get to hang out with the Messiah. That means when we drive out the Romans, have you fought in the military? No, I'm a fisherman. Hmm. But we're going to drive out the Romans. I don't know how, but we're going to, I'll use my fishing pole if I have to. <laughs> See, people get the wrong idea about Jesus all the time. And the Lord knew that this was their problem. And while they walked with him as disciples, you see, the beauty of being a disciple of Jesus is that he takes us just the way we are. That's a big mess. Have you ever been to a hospital before? The reason you go to a hospital is because it's a mess. People who work in emergency rooms know what I'm talking about. It is not a beautiful thing when somebody needs urgent care. There is nothing romantic about it. If somebody is desperately injured, desperately ill, it never looks good. But the hospital is where you belong. And the hospital has been trained to not leave you that way so that you can find healing so that you can go back home. And that's what happens when we come into the presence of Jesus. He loves you so much that he takes you in with all of the mess of sin in your life. But he loves you so much, he's not going to leave you that way. And the disciples, as they walked with Jesus, they began to grow in grace immediately. But they never got over this need for miracles. And that's why they fought over who's going to be first in the kingdom. Uh, Master, can you settle the issue 
I'm the oldest. I should be first in the kingdom, which translated in today's terms would be prime minister of the new government. I mean, come on now. These guys are fighting over who's going to be prime minister. I remember once I baptized a general in another country who had fought the war and had won. And he was upset because the new government did not include him. Instead, they, instead they tried to assassinate him. And he cried with me, Pastor, they promised me I would be the defense minister of the country. And instead they sent an assault team to kill me. I should be the foreign minister, the defense minister of my country. Imagine, this guy's crying because he should be the defense minister. I told him, I'm just happy to be a minister in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And, and, and you see, so there are people who do want positions. There are people who want power. And every time they went up to Jesus, Jesus would tell them, my kingdom is not of this world. I came to do something bigger than drive out Romans. I came to conquer sin. You see, that's bigger than driving out Romans. And so one day, two disciples got smart. The younger guys, they brought their mom. (laughs) I've seen this trick before because I've been doing youth ministries for many years. And it can work. You know, uh, Jesus, may I see you, please? Yes, these two fine, strapping young men are my boys. You notice how handsome this one is with the green eyes. And notice the hair on the other one. Sir, if I may just be so bold as to request, could you, when you set up your kingdom, put one of my boys on this side of the throne and another boy on... Why is it that we misunderstand the kingdom of heaven? We're misunderstanding what it is to be a disciple. To be a disciple of Jesus is not to desire titles. And then, oh, imagine this. Wherever Jesus went, he began to heal the sick. People would come up with all manner of disease, the scripture says. And there is no record of a sick person who remains sick after being in the presence of Jesus. If the person was blind, they could now see If they were deaf, they could now hear. If they were paralyzed, they can now walk. If there was a storm, it got calmed down. If if, if they were hungry, they had plenty to eat, 12 baskets to take home. If, if, If they were sad, they were comforted. If they were a child, they were blessed. If they were a political leader, they were amazed. You couldn't mess with this man. One day somebody exclaimed, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see, to be a disciple of Jesus, you do get to see miracles. But there's a problem with addiction. The more you get, the stronger the drug needs to be. So the more miracles you see, the more you need. And Jesus did not come to do miracles like that. He came to do a far greater miracle than healing sick involved. Is it hard for him who spoke and it was done, commanded and it stood fast? I mean, when he created the heavens and the earth, all he said was, let there be light. And there was light. And let the waters be separated from the land. And they were separate. Now let's see animals. Let's see fish. Let's see plant life. And everything happened. All he had to do was say it. Is it hard for the creator of the universe? Is it hard for the creator of life to do a miracle and heal life? No. 
That is not the greatest thing that Jesus came to do. Seven signs this week is to review seven simple signs that Jesus fulfills in the life of a disciple. What he really came to do. What he came to fulfill in your life and my life that prepares us not to drive out Romans in this life, but prepares us for a kingdom that is not of this world. I don't know about you, but I want to go home. I'm homesick. This world is not my home. And yet they fought. Uh, Master, can you please settle it? Who's going to be first in the kingdom? And churches still do that. Can you please settle it? Who's going to be first elder? Now, don't, you know, don't raise your hand. Just your conscience. (laughs) Young people are like, what's he talking about? But adults are, shh, don't say anything, dear. In Spanish, we have a phrase that says, La verdad no peca, pero incomoda. I know that sounds profound, but it's actually quite simple. The truth does not sin, it just makes you uncomfortable. Jesus, one day, healed hundreds of people along the shore of the lake. On that same day, he preached from a little boat offshore, and five Thousand men plus wives and kids and who knows who else. Fifteen to twenty thousand people heard from the master himself that day. And when he preached, they were hungry. So a little kid with a lunch pail with five loaves and two fish. And you know those loaves, they often call them pita bread Let's all admit together it's really a tortilla, right? We all agree. It's just, it's just a little bit thicker, and we're talking about real food here. Five loaves and two fishes. Even the disciples said, which all of us will admit from time to time, but master, what is this among so many? Now, you and I may look on the outward appearance. That will always be the case, but God looks on hearts. Never, ever judge someone Because Jesus knows their heart. You don't. And no one has ever received divine permission to condemn another soul. Even in the name of Jesus. You said disciples have a thing about fighting amongst themselves. I know this doesn't happen at your church. Just try to imagine what it must be like when church members fight amongst each other. Jesus fed everybody from a little kid's basket. He just kept breaking the bread and breaking the fish. And the the guys were tired. They were lugging big 200-pound baskets. Take all you want. There's a lot more down the hill. Grant, no, no, that's not enough. The kid looks hungrier than that. Get him a few extra pieces. And you they served and served and served. But at the end, when everything was done. Jesus was so tired, he needed to leave. There were 12 baskets left over. And, and, they said, and he said, take it home to everybody. And then the priests came to see Jesus. They have just seen hundreds of people healed that day. They've heard powerful preaching from offshore. They have seen him make food for thousands of people. And what is the first thing the delegation said to Jesus? Um, Show us a sign. <laughs> That we may know that thou art the Messiah. 
And Jesus looked at them incredulously. They have just spent the entire day looking at signs. That's why Jesus tearfully told the disciples, many seeing do not see, and many hearing do not hear. That means to be a disciple of Jesus is to develop insights that we understand why an apostle once said, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. A disciple of Christ who is filled with the Holy Spirit will understand the will of God. My brothers and sisters, this generation seeks after a sign, Jesus said, but a sign will not be given it except the sign of Jonah. And we'll be talking about that later as one of our seven signs this week. See, I'm already giving away the signs because everybody's been asking, what are the seven signs? You're just going to have to come to the meetings and find out for yourself. The Greeks were into knowledge. We're talking about Plato and Socrates. Great minds who sought after wisdom. They sought after knowledge. Their gods warred against each other and they would win skirmishes and go back to their corners. To a Greek, your god died? It didn't make any sense to the Greeks when Paul preached in Corinth. It didn't make sense in Thessalonica, in Colossus. But so what? They preached Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, and Christ coming again. To the Greeks, that was foolishness. How in the world? Go home. I'm a Roman. I live here. I love that. You know, I was born in the United States. And I'm of Mexican descent, and when I, would, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, and other kids at school would tell me, why don't you go home? I said, I live down the street, brother. <laughs> That's home. <laughs> you see, brothers and sisters, we continue to look on the outward appearance. Paul refused to leave the country. He came to preach Christ crucified. And the Jews were wanting more and more miracles. But even when Jesus himself performed the miracles, they still wanted to see more signs. That's why he says, we preach Christ crucified. Christ, the power of God. You want to taste a miracle? There was a kid who was stumping all of us at school one day. Okay, teacher, is it true that God can do anything? Yes. Anything. I mean anything. Yes, he is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He could do anything. You knew he was setting you up. Yes, he can. Okay, if that's true, can God make a rock so big that he himself cannot move it? Young man, this is a class. We deal in logic. Ask an illogical question. Ah, you said God can do anything. So like, can he make a rock so big that he himself can't like move it? And the teacher was, I don't know. Now, I was giving week of prayer that year there. So he decided, let's go stump the pastor in the hallway big mistake because I prayed that morning, Lord, give me wisdom when things I don't know. 
Matthew 10, 19, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak, for it is not you that speaks, but the Spirit within you. Claim the Word of God, brothers and sisters. Amen. The kid walked up, hey, pastor, and after he set me up and 20, 30 kids were standing around to watch the slam, can God make a rock so big he can't move it? And I said, yeah, man, he made you. <laughs> it's true. Now think about this. Think about this. We're in an urban setting. We have a hard-headed kid who thinks that he can stump the world until he meets Jesus. You see, Jesus can turn stones into bread, but he decided not to do that in the wilderness when he was being tempted because he didn't come to save himself. He came to save us. You see, he could have turned the stones into bread, but he didn't. Jesus can do miracles. That's not the point. He who created life can do anything. But the one thing that only can be called a miracle is when a sinner turns from their sinful ways unto righteousness. That is a miracle. That is something that only God can do if you let him into your heart. Check it out. You see, because you can talk all you want, you can write all the books you want, but until you've experienced him, it's all talk. A friend who graduated in Chile with his theology degree went to the park to do evangelism, not knowing that the first man he saw over there dignified with a little hat and a suit on was an, an atheist uh, who, um, who had just retired, a leading evolutionist in the country. He walked up to him with his Bible. Hi, don't tell me you're one of those Christian people, those God people. Oh, yes, sir. I just got my degree. Ah, you have a book there. I have many more books that prove that God doesn't exist. Oh, no, no, let me show you. Ah, what makes your book greater than my, all my books? And he was author of about half of them. <laughs> well, uh, uh, well, has God ever talked to you? Oh, yes, through Scripture, through nature. No, 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 no. Has he talked to you the way I'm talking to you? No. Has he realized he never took a course to prepare for this moment? <laughs> Has, have you ever talked to God? Oh, yes, I pray. No, 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 no. That little exercise that never gets beyond the ceiling of the room and you think there's somebody up there listening. How do you know? Have you ever really talked to him like you're talking to me? No. No. <laughs> then how can you say that God exists? And he thought to himself, once again, one of, one of those Matthew 10, 19 moments. And he asked him calmly, sir, have you ever talked to a toothache? <laughs> Young man, answer the question. I had to answer yours. <laughs> of course not. I've never talked to a toothache. Has a toothache ever talked to you? <laughs> Young man, then how do you know a toothache exists? Well, I experience it, young man, this pulsing pain. And that's when he said triumphantly, that's why I believe in God. Because I have experienced him. I have seen him in my own heart just as you can this very day. You see, that is the power of God. That is the wisdom of God. For if you experience Christ, that is the indwelling of Christ. That is what gives you victory over sin. 
We live in a planet where people are, are frozen in their sins. We live in a planet where people think that they're stuck and there's no hope. I have good news for you. Jesus gives victory over sin. Christ in me, the apostle said. The hope of glory. Give me a break. That's what we've been needing. Jesus in my life. You know, I saw a cute poster once that said, Don't walk ahead of me, I may not follow. Don't walk behind me, I may not lead. Just walk beside me and be my friend. That's cute. But that's not life. Maybe friendship, that's nice. I don't want Jesus ahead of me, behind me, or beside me. I want Jesus in me. I want the Holy Spirit to fill my life and that I could see in my life a growing process in grace. You know, one thing is called justification, but when it becomes sanctification, when Jesus begins to bless you, then you understand what discipleship is, that He doesn't leave you the way you are. You become greater in His name. There's another saying in Spanish that says, Dime con quien andas y te diré quien eres. Did you notice the choir of Latinos <laughs> helping me finish this scene? All it means is, tell me who you're with, and I'll tell you, who you are brothers and sisters okay young people let me level with you you hang out with a drug dealer you're discipling under them you hang out with gang members you're being discipled in the art of gang ministry on the streets which is destruction death pain incarceration and the most indescribable pain for parents ever experienced but if you disciple with Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, the reason why the choir of heaven sings, you disciple under Him. And He will make you something that you have not yet asked for. He will turn you into something you have not yet imagined. You will say things you cannot believe you can say because the Lord will do a great thing in you. Foolishness, so be it. But then the wisdom of God will always seem foolishness to man. Weakness, so be it. The power of God in a world that demands miracles will always seem like weakness. But I don't mind being God's own fool. Only the foolish can tell. But if we believe beyond believable, we can all be fools as well. This week, we will begin tomorrow night with the first of the seven signs. Seven simple signs that encapsulate the beliefs of the Adventist church. And you will find the simplicity of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And how it translates into the daily life. Tomorrow we will begin with baptism. God wants to do something in your life. For there are many in this program tonight. And who are watching in many places around the globe. That God has called to be baptized foolishness so be it weakness I don't mind as long as the Almighty God moves into my life
seems I've imagined him all of my life as the wisest of all of mankind. But if God's holy wisdom is foolish to man, he must have seemed out of his mind. For even his family said he was man, the priest said the demons to blame. God in the form of this strange young man could not have been perfectly sane. We in our foolishness thought we were wise, Play the fool and he opened our eyes When we in our weakness believed we were strong He became helpless to show we were wrong So we follow God's own fool And only the foolish can tell Believe be unbelievable Come be a fool as well So lay down your life For a carpenter's son For a man there who died for a dream You'll have the faith His first followers had And you'll feel the weight of the beam so surrender the hunger to say, I must know, the courage to say, I believe. For the power of paradox opens our eyes and blinds those who say they can see. We in our foolishness thought we were wise. He played the fool and he opened our eyes when we in our weakness believed we were strong he became helpless to show we were wrong so we follow God's own fool and only the foolish can tell believe be unbelievable come be a fool as well so we follow God and only the foolish can tell Believe me unbelievable Come be a fool as well Come be a fool as For the Jews seek after miracles, and the Greeks seek after knowledge. But we, we preach Christ crucified. Amen. To the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, be they Jews or Greeks, Christ the power of God, Christ, the wisdom of God. It all begins there when Jesus says to you, follow me. Fishermen who had never been to school a day in their life, follow me. Uh, us? Uh, we can't read. Follow me. 
Matthew, a publican, a public embezzler who became wealthy by overcharging on taxes to the Romans who were hated, if you remember this story, and they kept the extra cash for themselves. Jesus walked up to Matthew's table and said, amongst all of his stolen money, follow me. So Jesus even calls felons to follow him. Jesus walked up to adulterers, people who had been thrown out of the temple because of evil in their private lives, and he said to them, follow me. Jesus was presented one day with a prostitute who had been caught in the act of evil, no place to hide, caught by the priests themselves. And when Jesus was asked what should be done because the law said such should die, he just started writing. And as these persons saw their own sins, they decided to get out of there because who of us is clean enough to accuse another sinner? And so Jesus turns to this prostitute and says, where are your accusers? She uncovers her head. There's nobody left. She was waiting to feel pain, remember. She was about to die. We're talking about the very steps of the temple. And Jesus says to this prostitute, picked up off the street moments ago, neither do I condemn you. And he offered her discipleship. Go and sin no more. You know the the secret to victory over sin? To have Jesus in your life a prostitute an embezzler men who can't read or write women who are the outcasts of society it doesn't matter who you are where have you been doesn't matter what you fail to do in life to be a disciple of Jesus is a simple invitation now on contrast there was another young man in town who was very wealthy highly loved gave a generous Sabbath school offering. The brother gave a double tithe and helped build three temples in town. And one day he walked up to Jesus, Sir, what do I have to do to be saved? And Jesus looked him in the eye and he said, You know what? Sell everything you got, mijo. Sell everything, all right? Everything. Uh, My properties, my holdings, my investments. How about my bank? Everything. Give it to the poor. Take up your cross. And follow me. <sighs> Discipleship sounds so meaningful. But, 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 you see, I don't think Jesus was really telling them to go dirt poor overnight, although that could have been the case. It was more about what was the important to this young man's life. His money was more important than Jesus. It is not wrong to have the gift of funds. Don't feel bad. Ellen White talks about it as an official talent that not everyone knows how to use. Use it wisely in the name of Jesus. Make Jesus first and your talents will be blessed. This kid could not become a disciple of Jesus and he went away sad for he was very wealthy. So the Bible shows us the triumphs of discipleship And the horrible moments when people said no to Jesus. 
So we live in a world today of some people in our audience who long for wisdom and knowledge. And when they hear about Jesus, they want to hear about soteriological implications of sanctification and justification by faith. And how all of this fits into the Greek and the Hebrew. And maybe by next year, I can begin to develop preliminary positions for my faith. If you seek after wisdom, study all you want. But that is not the source of your faith and your joy. And others want miracles, miracles, miracles. And some have swallowed the bitter pill because the miracle did not come in your life. But something far greater than a miracle is occurring tonight. Jesus is speaking to your heart. And if the Lord reaches your heart, that's greater than any miracle we can ask of Him. That's greater than making fire come down from heaven. He wants to do that miracle in your life tonight. If you want true wisdom, it was the writer, the psalmist, and, the, and, and his son who wrote, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want true wisdom, when it talks about the fear of the Lord, that's respect, that's coming to understand His majesty in your own life. That is the beginning of true wisdom. There are a lot of smart people out there doing foolish things. It was Einstein who once said, it only takes a fool to invent an atomic bomb. And yet we thought wisdom is what split the atom. No. Ask anyone who has authority over the bomb. It is a terrible responsibility to try to keep one of those from going off ever again. Any fool can invent incredibly big things. Knowledge in and of itself is not the answer. Jesus is. And learn true knowledge. Learn truth from Scripture. Yes, it may seem like foolishness. Yes, it may seem like weakness. Let us pray tonight. Let us bow our heads and give our lives to this King, to this Lord, and let us experience His power and His wisdom. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that in Him we see the power of God. For He shall come in the clouds of glory with power. And the graves shall be opened, Lord, and we praise you for that. Those that we miss so dearly we will see again. That is power. That is greater than anything we could see in this life of temporal miracles. Touch lives tonight, Lord. And others of us need more wisdom and more knowledge. May that begin by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Teach us truth, O Lord. Teach us true wisdom. May we discern light in the midst of so much darkness. And as your children, may we find the power of God and the wisdom of God in our own lives. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.